It's been two years since Lialda and Leon split into the Pretty Ponies and the Bruinies faction. While there have been minor engagements, both sides are preparing for the major battle, known as the Glitter War. Why, Leon? Why? Why did you have to go after the ponies? I told you, I hate glitter. But, but it makes everything prettier. I don't want to sparkle, and it sticks on everything. Well, did you have to kill 5,000 people over it? It was the only way. (sighs) You broke my heart, Leon. You broke my heart. In this episode of Becoming DM, we continue our discussion with Malcolm about factions. Let's go ahead and join the conversation in progress. Once you've kind of decided name or no name um, and what that name might be, if you're going to have it, um, think about the organizational structure because this really can come into play when you have factions um, because as they start to interact with the faction, it helps to know who they're talking to, where in the organization, and that helps understand what information that person may have about the organization, what pull they may have, stuff like that. And I mentioned this before, I think it would be important to see if they have an HR department or not. So, you know, would it elevate complaints to? Yeah, if you're going to join this faction, I mean, you know, who do I take my problems to? Are there benefits? (laughs) Do I get like a retirement account? Like is dental and vision included. I need these details, John. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, uh, uh, are there payouts if, uh, do I still get paid if I don't complete the adventure? You know, like, yeah. what's happening? Do I get a severance pay if, like, you know, you guys cut me out early? Like, <laughs> uh, But, I mean, two those, we're, we're laughing about there being HR department, but I, I know that, like, in, uh, in Fallout, there are membership people for, like, the Brotherhood of Steel, I think, in Fallout 3, where yeah. you, like, have to talk to the guy, and, and then there's training guys that take you through your training and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're joking about an HR department, but you could have a structure that has things that, that play into that. I mean, you probably wouldn't call it an HR department, but <laughs> the, the membership chair or something like that. Well, <laughs> and, and not only that, but no, if, especially if you have a game with multiple factions, mm-hmm. then what's, what's, the, what's to gain from having your players even join a faction if you have mm-hmm. all of these groups? Um, yeah. I, in the game, John, we're currently playing right now. One of the characters is involved with some other stuff and point blank asked me, you know, well, what do I get access to since I'm part of this whatever? And it was like, hey, no, that that's a legitimate question. So those right, are, right. Yeah, well, you know, no, like uh, in the sense of, okay, so uh, not to use our particular game as an example, let's, but let's say you your players are allowed to join the Thieves Guild. Well, so does that mean that they get access to certain things that the Thieves Guild might have stolen that they could buy? Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. that mean that they could get discounts on things because they are part of? No, for real, you know. <laughs> pe- your discount. <laughs> hey, you will have that player. You will have that player. Yes, that- John. We will, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you DMing any type of game, trust me, you will have that player that's counting every single gold coin, silver mm-hmm. coin, and is expecting you to have an answer about how much of a discount that is. Oh, okay, well, that means I'm only going to pay 32 gold coins in one cent. <laughs> and I want my change. <laughs> Excuse me, do you take the Thieves Guild club card here? <laughs> you know the stamp card? Is there a rewards program? 
<laughs> no, that's actually, you know, while you don't want to, like you said, we may not call it the actual HR department, but you do want to have a few things thought out and prepared to possibly answer if uh, if you're if you bring factions into the game. Yeah, because when you start thinking about the structure, one of the things that comes into play is is how um, how the the organization is led. Is it led by a, a single individual that that mm. um, doesn't share what they're planning on doing with everybody else, or is it like rule by committee, which can cause some uh, decisions to be slowed down, or maybe the the leader is the all powerful, but he has like his core lieutenants that he's like, this is what we're doing, guys. This is why we're doing it. Go make it happen. Um, right. And and it it can be important because if your players get into a situation where they're wanting to take down the organization, that de mm. that determines how much work it may require. So. Uh, in the first case where they're they're not sharing their vision, if you kill them, that may just be like that's the end of the faction. Um, but if they've got all the, <laughs> but if they've got all these lieutenants, um, it may just be another head replaces the head that you cut off. Right. That's true. Or maybe yeah. now you've created multiple factions that you mm -hmm. have to deal with. Like the yep. ochre jellies. Yeah. <laughs> when you take down one jelly two more appear. Now you have two left. Now you have two factions <laughs> of jellies to do with. Reminds me of that if you tell one lie thing from when I was a kid. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, and, and so, I mean, to that, you also have to ask, does anybody actually know who the leader is? So mm -hmm. in the... Um, in the in the faction that I have mentioned a couple of times, where they don't really know their overarching goal, they also don't really know who the leader is. So mm -hmm. there are one or two people in the faction that do know, and uh, but the leader goes under a false name. Um, they communicate largely through written correspondence, so mm -hmm. only these one or two people know who they are, and everyone else it's just an opaque black box. Um, but but that means that if something happens to them then somebody could very easily step into that role and just continue the correspondence, um, mm -hmm. talk to the people that knew, knew them and say, Hey, I'm the, I'm the deal now. So get with the program mm -hmm. and go from there. Those are fun, like opportunities for like military coup or like, you know, mm. um, yeah. you know, just like one of those, like, again, we go back to like the intrigue and to what extent and exactly how are your players involved in that particular like, oh, is someone going to get replaced and how is it happening? Are they wanting to take someone out because there is a disagreement? Um, or it could be very much like uh, like the Borg, you know, where it's like there's not, not I'm, I'm not talking about the movie. I meant like from the actual TV series <laughs> where there wasn't yeah. like an actual defined single leader. It was a all collective. of the Borg. Yeah, it was a collective. Yeah. And then like the movie the decided mind. to add yeah. that person. Like, but, you know, um, but, you know, it could be something like that, too, where it's not even a matter of like replacing one person or one leader it's like yeah they just operate as a collective yeah and and by doing that you could have to if you're really wanting to take them down you could have to coordinate multiple strikes to take out multiple levels of leadership so that there's just no way for them to recover and and that that itself can be a um if your players are into that kind of planning can be a kind of a cool little adventure that they can go on to to really plan out how they're going to take it down and, and plan the execution and they'll probably have to hire people to help them and stuff like that. So yeah. it's kind of a neat, neat path that you can go down. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You got a lot of good ideas from this. <laughs> um, 
and and so the other thing once you've kind of dealt with what the structure is and i think dealing with the structure will help answer the next question is what's the process to become a member of the faction because mm -hmm. if you have one that the players are in with or if you have one that they're trying to infiltrate they're going to want to find a way to join so mm -hmm. knowing what this is beforehand is is uh is better than trying to make it up on the fly let's just be honest <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's most cases when it comes to dming <laughs> oh yeah but and and this is also in my opinion this is one of the best ways to even kick a campaign off especially mm -hmm. um if it's the first time you have players who maybe have never played together um it gives them a very clear cut defined okay this yeah. is what we're going to try to do and it's a great way to introduce them into the world let's say um if you have a group of you know more of the <clears throat> good thieves they're given a, a very simple mission to retrieve this item from such and such somebody's dungeon or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you that ability to create the traditional dungeon crawl experience, but it's also uh, kind of introducing everybody into the world and dealing with this faction. And it's just a great way to tie the threads together real easy. For sure, yeah. yeah. It could be a way to, to basically give them a reason to, to go into the dungeon other than just like, hey, there might be riches there. It's like mm -hmm. the yeah. the reason is maybe to get in with this this faction more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like you said, it also gives you a better kickoff point than you guys are all hanging out in the <laughs> and uh, somebody comes over and it's like, who wants to go on an adventure? You know, it's just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or uh, you could even take like a... a uh, the idea from like Saw, for example, where, you know, all these not quite as dark and grotesque, of course, but, you know, you can take where all these people were kidnapped and in order to survive, if they had just worked together from the beginning, <laughs> you know, they would have survived because they each would have just given a small piece or a bit of blood or whatever. But like each person was so intent on their own self-preservation on them surviving that they were trying to kill all the competition off so that they alone could survive only to find out that they were supposed to have worked together from the beginning you could do a very similar initiation campaign for your group where it's like, hey, you know, you put them in this gauntlet type thing where they have to compete to get initiated into this thing only to discover maybe halfway through that they have to work together in order to get to the end. Oh, that's cool. Or maybe mm -hmm. each person's uh, class ability helps yeah. them get helps them all get through one particular portion of the uh, adventure. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, another initiation thing and this could be added on to like having to perform actions and stuff like that but you could have something where you have kind of a gang-like initiation where they have to get a tattoo or a brand or or something of the faction's symbol or logo or something like that the corporate branding of the of the faction corporate um, branding and, and <laughs> gang gang <laughs> uh, a, a couple of the factions in the game I'm running have have something like that. So the Pale Face Riders, which I mentioned before, um, they are known for having on their on their on their arm tattooed in like this uh, white ink this this skull that's on their arm. Mm -hmm. um, whereas uh, a group called the Red Scorpion Gang has a they're branded with a scorpion on their hand, so they can very easily identify each other by just hang, holding up their hand. Um, whatever it is make it something that's it's kind of memorable because that's the way that you can have kind of a, as you introduce an NPC, maybe they're interacting with them and then somebody has a decent perception role and like, hey, you you noticed on their forearm a, 
a white skull tattooed there and, and everybody suddenly goes, oh, pamphlet writers. And, and if you do it right, it can really get a reaction as soon as they <laughs> as soon as they see that mark. Hmm. No, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, kind of like uh, um, when you guys are checking the insignias in the game now, you know, it's like, hey, what's his rank? What are they? You know, it gives you an idea of what type of person you're possibly speaking to. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also a good way to introduce uh, NPCs that way, like you were saying, you know, so maybe the character is always wearing gloves. And after the characters have earned that person's trust, he takes the glove off and shakes somebody's hand and they notice, oh, look, the scorpion the brand yep. on his hand, you know, little cool things you could do. Yep. And so when you think about the the actions that can be done to join, I mean, it could be the good deed for a, for a noble uh like they help fend off a bandit attack. Maybe it wasn't even something that they were looking to do, and they just happen upon this bandit attack of this noble's carriage, and then he can bring them into his entourage or something like that. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, we keep going back to it, but uh, kind of like with the Harpers, maybe mm-hmm. they did a good deed. Somebody in the Harpers noticed it or heard about it, and then approaches them later with with the opportunity to do something for that particular faction. Uh, that's all. That's a great way to introduce it too. I like that. Yeah, yep. for sure. And I mean, you can, as they travel along and get to other towns and other cities, you know, that network can expand. And then kind of like you guys were mentioning before, you know, maybe that the harbors works with some other type of faction and then you get introduced into that. And so that's an opportunity for you to sort of expand that network of factions and grow yeah. it. If it turns out that's something that your players are responsive to. Yep. Absolutely. And the action could also be a criminal act. I really like for if, if, if players, and I've had some players that wanted to join a thieves guild, for them to have to steal something, whether it's breaking into a museum and, and stealing some artifact or stealing from some, some other thing. Or if you've got an assassin's guild, they could have to, have to murder somebody. Um, um, whatever, it, whatever makes the sense for the, for the group that you're trying to join, really. Mm-hmm. Those are always fun ones where you, um, you know, where you have them doing something uh, uh, where they have to be sneaky or doing mm-hmm. something maybe, you know, bad uh, as a introductory kickoff with stuff. Those are always fun. Yep. Oh, that reminds me of the beginning of Indiana Jones. Remember, we has to like go through and he's got the bag of coins yeah. or the bag of sand. He's trying to like replace it and he has to run and the rock is going towards him. And Yeah. It creates yeah. great uh, adventure moments and different things, and I, mm-hmm. I and I think um, that's that's oh well that's that's another that's a different topic. Let me let me stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is is once you've kind of de- determined membership, you need to ask yourself: Can members leave if they if they choose to, or mm-hmm. are they going to be hunted as a result? So, like a government faction, they're probably going to be able to leave without any problem. But if you start talking about a thieves guild, an assassins guild, some place that has secrets, any sort of criminal enterprise, they may decide, listen, you're in for life, and if you leave, um, you're you're going to be sleeping with the fishies, just so yeah. using them. Or uh, fishies creates a <laughs> creates a a great a great side uh, story to tell within your campaign um, if your characters were a part of something at one point and then due to the adventures they the party chooses to go in another direction yeah Mm -hmm. how much did they know uh if they knew too much yeah that thieves guild or that organization may not want them around letting folks know that or maybe your party 
has went in a different direction and now their goals oppose each other. Mm-hmm. That's really great things you could do there. So now they have this ongoing and antagonist that group that they have to deal with. And on the other side of that token, they could encounter an NPC that was trying to leave a faction and is now mm-hmm. being hunted and begging them for help. So they could get involved with the faction not being in the faction, but because they're helping this guy who's trying to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. That always creates really good, good, fun stories. If you have a group of uh, characters that want to do good or are the do-gooders players, uh, because then it's like, oh, now they've found themselves up against this evil faction and it'll gel your players together because, Mm -hmm. you know, well, we saved this guy from these horrible people and now we have to take them out or, you know, now they're dealing mm-hmm. with it. It also puts the um, the guy that's leaving the, the faction in their good graces because mm-hmm. if he's being hunted by these guys and these guys are bad, then he must be good, which, which could, and, and you'll see how my mind thinks, which could set you up to be able to double cross them with this NPC oh later. My God. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, no, the, 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 the great, the great uh, bait and switch right there. That's always a good, a good it's story. Typical John's it. rogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. <laughs> but uh, moving on, so, you know, Besides leaving it, you know, and in other parts that you're trying to think when it comes to like the logistical aspect of factions is, you know, you also want to consider resources. You know, what what exactly does this faction have to offer? What what type of resources do they have? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, are they a very well to do uh, faction, you know, that has a lot of resources and a lot of connections? Um, are they one of those like, hey, we're just getting started and we are this after school club right now, but <laughs> golly gee, just you wait. Soon we're going to be operating out of more than just a garage. You know, like yeah. what, what kind of faction are they? And, and then how does that directly impact their type of supply and resources? Yeah. And I think that plays into a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be, it could be how uh, appealing the faction is to players to maybe want to join them. It could be one of those things where I want to join the one that has tons of resources because then I'll get all the resources. Or it could be, I want to get it on the ground floor because then I can be like the head dude and and not too long as the faction grows. Right. Yeah. And and that's also very important to think about like what type of game uh, are you trying to run? What, what, uh, you know, what all do you actually as a DM, are you ready to, potentially run or deal with um so that way as you're introducing factions if you already have this stuff mapped out then um you know you you are very well prepared for where you want to take everything Mm -hmm. for sure yeah because if you have one that has kind of this unlimited supply of equipment and the player manages to join them then you have to decide oh, I was trying to run a scarce game where they didn't have yeah. many resources. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. <laughs> then you could start doing things like, well, you can't get any of the resources until you progress through the ranks or something like that. So you could build in something to where it can be this really appealing thing, but then they get in and find out, oh, I don't get that yet. <laughs> you're not at the platinum level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you're, <laughs> you're still just a silver membership right now. <laughs> Amateur. now what's now on the flip side if you do introduce a faction that's extremely um um you know has a lot of resources and can get their hands on everything well then at that point go big 
go big. So, um, like, a totally different series of movies than what we've uh, kind of spoken to, but, like, the James Bond series. So James mm-hmm. Bond, it's cool, he, he had access to, like, from Jump Street, he could get these really cool gadgets, cars that had rockets and submarine cars. So it, it just really makes, like, big moments that mm-hmm. you could play with your characters. So if you're going to introduce a faction that has a lot of things, you got to go big and let your characters really have fun with the idea of they were able to get their hands on the best of the best because they're going up against the worst of the worst. So, True. you know, you got to really if you got to know what you're getting yourself into so that way you're prepared, you're prepared for it. So there's no wrong way just mm-hmm really have it have it wrapped up and be prepared to go in that direction if if that's what you're going to do. And if they have this unlimited equipment and unlimited cash supply, they don't have to be somebody that will accept the players. They could be yeah. the player's mm-hmm. enemy and seem like this unsurmountable force that they have to that they have to deal with. So that can also lend to some interesting interesting options is the players who are maybe resource constrained deal with this 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 basically massive uh, empire. That's yep. a, I mean, that's a, that's a, a very, I think, common trope in movies too. I mean, think like Rocky, you know, when mm-hmm. he was going up against that one guy, he's like, I will crush you. You know, like the whole <laughs> movie montage was both of them training and, you know, the, the Russian guy had all the resources and all the technology to train and blah, blah, blah. And then Rocky's over here punching a giant frozen thing of meat, you know, or going up to a cabin <laughs> in the woods and, you know, you had very two different varying types of training based off of resources, and it's the tale as old as time of like, oh, the poor aspiring, you know, underdog who goes up against the, you know, the very well known person who has everything. You well, know, you are you are speaking of Rocky Four, one of the top five yes. best montage scenes ever. I love that that montage scene. That's just yeah. boy, that's just American cheese for you right there. Okay. <laughs> but definitely one you can um, incorporate into your campaign if you so choose. Yes. Yep. For sure. In Darkwind my character has a boat, and it's called the Yip Yaw. Why? I, I just kind of thought it would be a funny name, but that's the cool thing about Darkwind. You're free to do things like your, give your boat a name that might be stupid that you thought was funny at the time. That's right, Darkwind is our sponsor again for this episode. The massive text-based multiplayer role-playing game is free to play and quick to get started. You can do it right now. Just go to play.darkwind.org and sign up for free. And when you buy a boat, let me know if its name is better than Yip Yaw. And so another thing to think about is where does the faction operate? Um, and, and this is important because it will it will kind of define where your players can run up against them. So yeah. is it a group that only operates in cities, in the forest, uh, in the desert? It, whatever you choose there kind of helps define where the players were going to come up against them and where they can also hide from them too, if they need to. Yes, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. it really plays big into that because um, uh, if your players run, run, run foul with that faction, uh, you could use that as a reason to force the characters to explore more of the world that you've created. 
because, mm-hmm. okay, this faction is only uh, they're They just run in this one city. Okay. Well, your characters eventually after some time, they feel like, okay, we're tired of dealing with this. Let's go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. now they're able to go somewhere else and explore more of the world or, you know, go off on a different story. Mm-hmm. And just because the faction is not big in an area does not mean that they might not be found in an area. As we mentioned before, some of the goals of a faction can be to to gain more control in other areas. So the first step of that might be just to put some some forward people there, just a couple people there checking out the area. And and so you may run into them, but not as as much force, which kind of gives you a little bit uh, some some other story options there as well. I think the uh, other issue I was I was thinking back on our conversations, you know, we we're talking about like, um, you know, operations and things like that. I was thinking we were talking early about territory, how that can be a very common thing that can put two factions at odds. And you were talking about territory and like in what ways can, um, you know, one party or your party, you know, be allowed to help one side or the other because a lot of times people fall into this mentality where it's like oh they're just going to hire you and that's it mm-hmm. but sometimes like you know it's, it's it's the conflict of ideals as well as territory and I, I think of this in the movie Avatar where you know you had you know the people who came into the planet and then you had the native indigenous people who were fighting against them and it wasn't so much that you know oh they have these avatar bodies and they can help out the indigenous people it was like you had to prove yourself in order for them to open up and allow, you know, for that main character to be able to help them. It wasn't like they hired him to help get rid of, you know, people that had invaded their territory. It was a whole process of like earning their respect, showing that you understood their ideals before he could even gather all of those, you know, sub factions, if you will, together to yeah. fight against, you know, the humans that had invaded their planet. So, you know, it's not always so simple as just, or you could as a DM choose to not make it so simple as, Hey, I'm offering my services. I can help get rid of these people for you. You know, Mm -hmm. you can add extra layers and depths when it comes into term of like turf wars, if you will. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, that's a really good example. And and those ideologies coming into play can be a reason for a player to want to join them because they like that ideology. And, and that if you can get your players where they're, they're playing with those beliefs in the game that, that my character believes this and, and these people mm-hmm. believe this, so I want to hang out with them. That can really, I think, tie them to the game a lot more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. But that was going back to uh, when you were talking about, you know, where they're operating out of. And, you know, if you're dealing with two different factions, you know, like city versus the forest kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and we have an expansion of territory, that's a really great opportunity to sort of get yourself involved in that type of intrigue involving two factions and territory yep and, and we mentioned kind of those those forward people that uh that the that the faction may be sending this could be the players that are going into this new area where they mm-hmm. won't have support of the faction and they'll be in another faction's territory but they're scoping it out to try and expand it so mm-hmm. but then their ideals change just like <laughs> <Avatar>. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about playing a faction. And I, I think that one of the things that we need to talk about is how you introduce them to your to your players. And and Malcolm, you've already mentioned a couple of times about having that be kind of the starting point where that's why they're pulled into an adventure to do something. But yeah. if the but if they're not familiar with the faction as a start, um, one of the things you could do is is really start with rumors. So mm-hmm. people talk about them in a bar or or um or or talk about 
so-and-so's niece got kidnapped by the red scorpions or, or whatever. Uh, just have some, some rumors out there that the players can, can kind of uh, understand that there's something out there, but maybe not get the full picture. Absolutely. Um, I think that works very good for uh, that type of scenario works really good for if um, if if you have a new group of players, maybe you're not for sure what what type of style of role playing they like to play. It Mm -hmm. allows you to introduce it uh, in small pieces. So it's something that they hear about, maybe as they're going along on the various adventures you take them on. And then if you see, oh, okay, they seem interested, then you could start really bringing the main bulk of the faction in. And Mm -hmm. to kind of go back to Felicia's point, if they don't seem interested, well, hey, you didn't waste a whole lot of time building something that they didn't want to play with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in the the game that I was, uh, that I'm running, the reason that the faction that I've been building out, that Pale Face Riders group, is the reason that they are playing such a part is because when they got through with one small story arc, I started presenting some some other potential arcs and they weren't really biting. And mm. so I put a rumor in about where this guy Hans was gonna be located. And they just took that and said, all right, we gotta go there, we gotta go find Hans. And so from there, it's like, all right, well, I need to build out more of this faction and build out who they're gonna 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 go up against and, and stuff like that, what their goals are and all that stuff. So, uh, nice. yeah. Nice. And that and that actually was a was they were introduced to that faction because of a brief encounter where the the party's goals and the faction's goals kind of overlapped mm-hmm. uh, and that the, the faction had captured this guy that the party needed to talk to. And so they went out there not knowing that the faction was there, just looking for this guy. And they all kind of get into the same room with a little bit of a standoff. Mm. OK, then see, that's that's incorporating like two or three different elements we've been talking about uh, since since we got started, uh, which is, man, that's uh, that that I'm sure that made some really great role playing moments and just action moments even for your for your game. Awesome. Yep. One of your strengths at the DM, John, that I have yet to uh, <laughs> achieve. <laughs> well, I've been doing it for 30 years, so. It's like, if I don't have any good tricks at this point, I don't know if I should be DMing anymore. Uh, yeah. All I've got going for me is humor and crusty socks. So, <laughs> you know, that's all I've got in my campaign. Well, the humor definitely goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you could also have a, ha- a faction hire, hi- hire the party out to do a job, um, yes. maybe a job that the faction didn't particularly want to do, like uh, they are a more good aligned faction, but they needed this kind of dirty job done. So well, we'll just get this party to do it. <laughs> Wash our hands yep. of it. Yeah, those are those are always um, really fun ways to introduce a bad faction uh, or maybe a, a secretly bad faction. And you could start sewing those uh, those 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 bits of intrigue and mystery into the game. If uh, if that's what if that's the direction you're trying to run, uh, maybe they start off doing a job for this faction and then they find out, oh, well, uh, maybe they did one particular job which set up something really bad that they didn't know was going to happen because of the job that they got like that creates a lot of different lanes you could take as far as if you want to run a, a, a mist, uh, mystery or intrigue type of game. Yep. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my group actually the last session that we had had something very similar to that where 
they were uh, finding this artifact for the governor of a town who was going to use it to, who said he was going to use it to bless the army and give them a boon before they marched north to fight the, the war in the north. And they went on this long quest, found the artifact, brought it back, and gave it to him, only to find out that he was going to use it for his own personal gain. And it was this orb of uh, mass polymorph and mind control and so it it turned all of the people in like a three mile radius into this like uh draconian type uh type creatures and the players themselves had done something that that made them immune to it but he was like oh well throw these guys in jail because now everybody in the town is under his control (laughs) wow that's a good one that's crazy um the other thing is is a party could assist a faction unknowingly where, where maybe somebody's attacking a town and so they're helping with the defense. And so this faction that's there, that maybe it's a faction of, of soldiers or or the, the government of the town or whoever else that has some idea of protecting the, the little guy, they could get hooked in with them because of their, their help uh, defending the city, for instance. Mm-hmm. Create some great... Um uh, dirty dozen type moments for your characters to play in, um, where they're, you know, hired in to, to, to defend the town from this horrible faction. Those are great storylines to run. And it also leads to a lot of other lanes that you can, uh, take your characters into with dealing with the bad faction later on, continuing Mm -hmm. to deal with them or even the good, the good faction, right? Maybe the town hires them to do more things later uh, or that faction in the town hires your characters to do some more things. And then that becomes a good um, launching point for many adventures that you choose mm-hmm. to do. Yep. Um, additionally, the faction just could be overtly recruiting people for their ranks. Um, you Get walk into town. <laughs> yeah, hey, sign up. Uh, so I, I think about, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched Westworld, but when you first walk into the town of Westworld, there's a guy that's looking for people to help him go hunt down this uh this yeah. uh, outlaw and like become a, a lawman, and so he's they're uh, overtly recruiting people to, to join his cause. Yeah, and you get some swag too if you join. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, great hook for your for your characters right there. You know, they enter this town uh, for whatever reason, and uh, you know they hear they 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 hear the call the the call for help right there, and um, you know, it could be something as simple as, hey, you know, they were intrigued by the amount of money being offered to help. And, um, yeah, that's always a good one. Well, the, uh, it, allows you, it allows you to throw in a lot of curves with that, too, John, because I know you like throwing the curves. So <laughs> maybe they, they get out there and find out what they thought they were doing a good deed. No, oh, no, you get out here, you're actually robbing somebody. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, okay. They well, get out there and, oh, we're actually a group of cannibals. You're our dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, meat's back on the menu. <laughs> well, and the other thing too is if you want to really test like how much your your players want to get involved when it comes to like how they cross paths with these factions. You know, we've always had like when I was doing um, the essentials kit, which was linked to the Lost Minds of Fandelver. You know, it was like the progressing of the story. They just you know you had the option of like having like a, a billboard, if you will, with you know requests up on the board mm-hmm. um, and. In that game, you could present your players with four cards, and each one had a different mission request on it, and they could choose the one that they wanted to pursue. Um, and then based off of that was what then you later presented to them. So if you're kind of testing the waters with factions and, like, these, you know, potential 
missions on behalf of these factions, you could always do it in a way that's like that. Maybe it's not directly from a person or a rumor or a conversation or a guy with a table and a giant sign. Um, you know, you could have these little, you know, bounty requests or these mission requests that they themselves can choose from um, and sort of see, hey, you know, when they get involved, they want to choose, you know, to do further quests in this way. Um, and then maybe you can get, a, kind of get that sense of, yeah, like, do they want to get more involved with these factions? You know, if, if you don't want to present, like, the actual dialogue from a person. Yep. So the other thing when, when playing your faction is to think about your faction members and, and understand how they're going to play. Because there's a lot of faction members, right, Felicia? Oh, yes. At least two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, factions, just by their inherent nature, are going to have hopefully more than two members involved. Um, and again, you're going to have the leaders and the followers and, you know, what you decide to do with those people is totally up to you as the DM. You know, they initially have a common goal. Maybe like you were saying, a certain person leaves them and they're on the run and you help them. Or maybe you get to talk to the leader directly and the rest of them are just the minions that are part of that faction. Whatever you decide to do logistically with that faction, it's just something to keep in mind just to keep it manageable i guess is the yeah. what i was going with it was that regardless of which way you go with it keep it manageable if you're going to involve fleshed out characters within your faction don't overwhelm yourself by feeling like you have to do like 20 different people with 20 yeah. different backstories you know their dog died yesterday and then they got their foot run over by a car and now they can't go through this mission <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's totally fine to have onesie twosies here and there or however you yeah. want to do it but you know it's overall really about the big overarching goal of the faction in and of itself. And you don't want to get too caught up in the in like the individual intrigues of each individual person. Cause the idea is getting involved in the faction as a whole and not just your individual dynamics with the separate people within it. Yeah. yeah with, with the pale face writers, which I've mentioned a couple of times, I have, I have two NPCs that are planned out and everybody else is just following the goals and, mm -hmm. and stuff of the, of the faction. So again, you don't have to, be super detailed in that. That's part of the reason why you use factions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd actually highly make the argument to not be overly detailed when it comes mm -hmm. to the actual individuals that make up the faction. It's totally okay to have thug one through 40. Yeah. <laughs> right? um, because then from there, you just have your centralized uh, major NPCs within the faction that actually will sway what direction the story may go or is the focal point for your for your players to interact with uh you'll definitely overwhelm yourself if you try to give every single person this background or grand story because well then you're just going to burn your brain out on everything and it's just too much for your players to interact with anyway yeah, yeah i agree yeah and, it, and if the players just insist on interacting with thug 32 then <laughs> you know how <laughs> you, know, you know how Thug Thirty Two is going to act just because he's part of the faction. So, oh, uh, Thug Thirty Two. That. That's my new rap name, Thug Thirty Two. <laughs> crazy old dog, you Thug Thirty Two. It's your old wily ways. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit. We've we've been kind of touching on this throughout uh, throughout the conversation, but let's talk a little bit about potential story arcs involving factions to kind of wrap up the whole conversation and uh and uh malcolm kind of why don't you kick us off 
Well, um, so kind of what we spoke on earlier, some great ones are um, if uh, if you have your players part of a very large organization, maybe members of an army, members of town guard, something along those lines, it's an easy uh, uh, start off jump point to get your characters together. Um, mm-hmm. You could also do the same thing with if you're running a more um, if you're running a more you know maybe if you got a bunch of rogues in the party okay well you guys are part of this large um you're 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 trying to join this large thieves guild in your city uh so you have to take you have to take this path or retrieve this item or whatever adventure dungeon dive they have to do um Mm -hmm. there's very simple ways to where you can introduce a large faction um, that your players are a part of. It helps them get started in the game. It gives them a central um, uh, focal point to kind of see what they're interested in. Uh, and it also, as the DM, it allows you to um, to kind of craft as you go. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe right away, they don't need to meet uh, who runs the Thieves Guild. Maybe they're just meeting the first couple of people who are giving them their instructions as low-level members, right? So then I'm 32. It all comes back around, right? But it really allows you to uh, slowly grow the cam- uh, grow your faction, and um, even see if your character uh, uh, are interested in it to begin with. So I always mm-hmm. recommend. Um, um, give them something in a very wide view, and then as you play, you can narrow it down to your specific adventures and and whatnot. Yeah, yeah one sure. one one potential story arc I really like uh, if you're doing a job for the faction, uh, and this has to require the faction to be a little bit more set up. So you can't just start out with this. It has to be something where the party knows about them, they're established, things like that. I like the idea of helping. Uh, root out the source of a, of corruption in a faction. Maybe maybe somebody's sabotaging things. They're they're starting to get non- untrustworthy of members, stuff like that. And they just need an outside set of eyes to try and figure out what's going wrong. And mm. this can be kind of an interesting way for for them to both be looking into the faction and kind of being in their good graces, but also have the members of the faction look at them like they're outsiders and and be suspicious of them and and try to hold their their cards close oh no that's a really good one well and i know like we've been talking up to this point about like what our players can do on their end to you know um get into a faction or uh, become involved with a faction and one thing i think that like we've actually maybe have missed a little bit here is is that if your players need something from that faction Mm. So let's say there's a particular artifact they came across that like only a certain type of mage can, you know, figure out for them. So then they've got to find the mage's guild and that, you know, mage's guild is sort of like, hey, you know, maybe you finally reach that person and, you know, they're like, all right, well, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And so it becomes sort of like, okay, now your players are involved in doing this trade of services. You do this for them. They do this for you. Um, versus, you know, you only providing a service to this faction in order to get in their good graces. Perhaps in this case, it's more of an exchange of services because you actually went out seeking them for a particular purpose. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. I think you just found your way to work factions into your game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's actually, it actually really funny. I was thinking about doing this magical artifact that needed to be fixed by the Mages Guild, but you had to go to the Mages Guild's IT department. Um, <laughs> and be like, we tried turning it off and on again. <laughs> so that was what I was going with it, the IT department of the Mages Guild. Yep. And other story arc options can be if the parties become the enemy of the faction, uh, yeah. either because they're going for the same goal with different reasons, uh, they've offended a, a leader, or they failed to complete a job. And this is actually something that my party did not intentionally do, but, but what happened? So the Red Scorpion gang hired them to kind of open up this this magical portal in this canyon that was found. And in doing so, the party kind of got sucked in and left the, the Red Scorpions behind and it closed behind them. Oops. And so when they got back to the, to the plane that, uh, that everybody was on, now they're, they're enemy number one for the Red Scorpion gang. And they had to kind of sneak through a city to get out of the city and avoid patrols for this group. And it kind of made a, made a fun little, it, it wasn't the core of the story, but it kind of made a fun little side quest that wasn't really a side quest. It was part of what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I've, uh, in my years of playing, I have found the most traditional, the tr most true traditional way I've seen factions introduced into games was very similar to what you just said, as the antagonist that the players uh, mm -hmm. will go up against mm -hmm. either for multiple adventures or maybe throughout the entire campaign, if that's... Uh, if that's how the, the DM or the story was created. Um, that's always a really great way to do it, though, because um, it gives your characters, your players, um, a central villain that or villainous group that they know that they're up against. And uh, now they have to get stronger and stronger to either directly combat them or they have to find ways to infiltrate them and um, get more information. So... That, mm -hmm. that I've, I've always found those games really, really fun to play as a player. Uh, so uh, for potential DMs or any DMs out there now, those are great ways to introduce factions. And um, once again, it allows you to introduce it in small bites and pieces to see how interested your character, your players are. And, and then just gives you a chance to build it because um, you I know we've dumped a lot. The, it, the idea isn't that when you sit down, you may not know everything that you want to do, but as mm -hmm. you play, it'll give you ideas like, oh, you know, ooh, this character I introduced here, they may be a bigger piece than what you maybe even thought at first. So mm -hmm. be, sure. be, be, be fluid. You know, you have to be able to create as you go along. So give yourself that space to do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I think that's uh, what we wanted to talk about here. Uh, as, as we mentioned before, this was something that may uh, split into a couple of different episodes. So I think that we accomplished that. Uh, until next time, though, stay, stay nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com. Or Facebook, we are facebook.com slash becomingdm. And on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. <laughs>